This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for being here with us. I'm so excited about Life's.TV. Um, now, I made some promises. First of all, I said yesterday I was going to pick up our Life's.TV pretty things, and I wasn't able to do it, pointing over with the wrong shoulder over here. Um, I wasn't able to get there, so that's what I have to do today. I also promised you yesterday that we would listen to A Tale of Two Fingers, and I know you were thinking... Two middle fingers? No, not two middle fingers. <laughs> two actual regular fingers. A tale of two fingers. So we're going to do that. And then we're also going to have something I like to affectionately call Theological Tuesdays. Not that I don't talk theology on other days, but today we're going to specifically talk about something that I've been dealing with, which is forgiveness. Now, before you get upset because I said the word and people don't deserve to be forgiven, just wait until you hear what I have to share with you. So first off, Let's talk about hypocrisy, the Democrats, and a tale of two fingers. Let's roll the clip. Let's cut one. Day culminated with this now iconic photo of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. With this now instant iconic photo. Look at that photo of one woman standing up. Standing in a room full of men. Standing among a room full of men. Standing among a room full of men. A room full of men. At a table with all men there. With her finger pointed directly at the president. Challenging the president. You're taking on the president. With her finger pointed at the president. Giving it to the president of the United States. It's this picture with the Republican governor's finger in the president's face that has Jan Brewer on the defensive today. The idea that someone could do that to the president is just so off-putting. Sticking her finger in the face of the president of the United States, something I was taught at five years old, you don't do because it's disrespectful. Jabbing her finger in the president's face again and again. Jan Brewer is waving her finger in his face. Shaking her finger in the president's nose. And she waved her finger at the president's face on purpose. Incredibly disrespectful. Incredibly disrespectful. Even if you don't like someone, you don't do that. That's, that's a general consensus. The now infamous finger wag. I mean, the now infamous wagging of her finger. All that many saw in that famous photograph was a white woman wagging her finger at the first black president. What's wrong with this picture? Would they do this to a white president? Question, you don't think would have happened to a white president? Of course not. But hates the president so much that they don't even have respect for the office. So, is it that a finger in the face or a finger from across a table is a sign of power and resistance? Or is it the ultimate sign of disrespect? Well... Apparently, it depends greatly upon whether or not the person doing the wagging of the finger is white and the person receiving the finger wag is not. So if it's a black president, it's disrespectful. It's unheard of. It's unconscionable. It's something that cannot be done. It's not permitted. It's not to be permitted. Even if the person is your enemy, you must not do it. Wave your finger in the face of a white president. It's like power to the people. You know, it's the thing that you get to do because you're a part of the resistance. But if you throw up this sign... And I know I'm pivoting here, but it's a huge, big problem that the Democrats are having right now. They can't decide if this means okay or white power, if a finger wag means you're to be pitied or hated, or if 
the finger wag is ultimately a sign of racial animus as it was imputed to Jan Brewer. Now remember, this was an issue that she was facing that had to do with the border. She was concerned about the people of Arizona and what was happening to them, the kidnappings, the rapings, the stuff that the news doesn't report about. She was waving her finger because she was upset. Now, was it appropriate? I actually said at the time, I didn't think it was appropriate for her to get that close to the US president and put her finger in his face, not because he's black, not because she's white, but because it just didn't look, it, it, it looked bad. It didn't look that great. But for Nancy Pelosi, this was a camera op. Have you noticed that the Democrats always have something planned? If they know a camera is going to be present, they're ready with, like, the day she met with the president, it was her, Chuck Schumer. You guys remember this. It was back in January, February of this year. And Nancy Pelosi emerged from the White House. Now, first of all, are you with me in the knowledge base that Nancy Pelosi going to the White House is not that big of a deal? I mean, I've been in the White House 10 times. So when I come out of the White House, I take a picture of myself 10 times. On my 11th time, I'm going to still take a picture of myself coming out. I don't expect there to be any cameras there. I'd love it if there were, but it's not probably going to happen for me. But for Nancy Pelosi, who is the Speaker of the House of Representatives for the United States of America, a visit to the White House is not that big of a deal. So why were there cameras outside to catch her in her red designer jacket? She closes up the coat, comes out, and she smoothly slides on her aviators. And they catch a picture of her and they say she's a stone cold killer. She's been in there raking Donald Trump over the coals and she comes out looking cool as a cucumber. And oh, by the way, you can buy this jacket at so-and-so for, I think it was $440. It was a nice coat. It's like a reddish orange. It was a bright pop of color. It was knee length. I mean, she's, she's a classic dresser, no doubt. But are you saying to me that you think that that wasn't planned? Uh, so you don't think it was planned that she came out of the White House like that, you must not think it was planned that she stood up in a meeting where everyone normally remains seated and stuck her finger at the president of the United States. That was planned too. She wanted a photo op. She needs something to make her look powerful. The entire impeachment debacle is about what things look like, not what they are. Because if it was about what they are, we wouldn't be having an impeachment debacle. Fake impeachment, by the way, because they haven't voted on it. And they're not going to vote on it because they don't want to vote on something that would give power to the Republicans to subpoena people like Oh, I don't know, Barack Hussein Obama, Susan Rice, uh, James, I hug Redwood Trees, Comey, any of them. You would not get not one iota of peace for the Democrats if the Republicans were busy subpoenaing all the people who have actually played a role in what was an attempted coup against the presidency of the United States. And I just, I know Republicans don't do this. I know it's not, they don't have it in them. Like the sweater vest wearer inside of every seated elected Republican, except a few of them, just prevents them from wanting to do what I'm about to describe. But I feel like they got to take it to the Democrats the next time it's their turn. The next time they have the presidency, they got to show them a little bit of their own medicine. It's not right. But that's a perfect segue into why it's not right, which is theological. Thanking God for his grace and forgiveness. Now, first things first, I never talk about theological stuff on the show that I haven't either struggled with myself or I'm not currently in a battle with Satan at this very moment about. So <laughs> forgiveness, I got a problem with it. Or I should say I had because I feel like I've crossed over at least a little tiny like little mound or a hill, a small hill. Not I haven't, I haven't done like a whole, yeah, I, I'm just getting there. And so what I want you to do today is for the encouragement, I sometimes call this the encouragement segment, um, 
I want you to kind of think about what God's grace is. What is grace? Well, grace is an undeserved gift. So we don't deserve grace, but we get it because of who God is. So God is amazingly grace-filled and we don't deserve it. So here's an example. Um, there's a knock on the door and your neighbor hands you a gift and you open it up and it's like three or four of your bills and they're paid. And you don't know why your neighbor's handing you this. You don't know, but that would be grace. That's an unmerited gift. It's unmerited favor. Another example would be you have a severe dental problem. You go in and the bill should be like $1,800. And the dentist says you only have to pay for, you know, the, the associate people. So the, the, the nurse anesthesia person and all them, um, I'm, I'm waiving my fee. You only have to pay for the, the side people. So instead of 1800 or 3000 or whatever astronomical sum, it's like 600 bucks. You would walk out of there floating, literally, not just from the laughing gas or whatever he gave you, but from the fact that you don't owe the whole amount, right? So we are already in the recipient of this amazing gift of grace from God. But what we do is we kind of look at it and we say, okay, thanks, God. But guess what? She attacked me at lunch three weeks ago, and I just can't let it go. Or he owed me money for doing work, and he hasn't paid me. And when he finally did pay me, he did it begrudgingly and treated me like a piece of crap. And so I got something against him. Well, yeah, you don't. Because we've been forgiven for the ultimate of all sins, which is being sinners in ourselves. The fact that we are going every single day, we sin, all day we sin. We've got stuff going on every minute of every day. We can always turn to God and ask for forgiveness. But what we usually end up doing is we ask for forgiveness and we're like, thank you, Lord, I'm forgiven. And then we run around holding everybody else accountable for every little slight or snub, some of which these people don't even know. They've, they, they're they unaware that they've offended. So here are the steps that we can do to uh, go through to kind of realize and appreciate what we have received through God in Christ without deserving it and use that as a motivator to seek God and try and understand and please him. So this is a conscious effort. It is hard to forgive people. It, it's, it's not that we're being asked to do something that's so easy peasy, we don't have a problem with it. If it were easy peasy, wouldn't be something that's spoken about in the Bible so often. So first we thank God for his grace to us. And we just say, first of all, we just need to acknowledge without Jesus, there's no grace. All of the grace that you see in the Bible is realized through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And it's all ultimately conveyed and embodied within him. And it's given in super abundance. So God's not stingy about giving us grace. He doesn't say, I'll give you some grace, Stacy, for snapping at that lady and biting that person's head off. But I'm not going to give you any grace for, you know, that other horrible thing you did. No, it's there for all of it. So the most obvious and significant thing is that grace pays all of our debts. Grace means we don't owe anybody for what we've done. Specifically, we don't owe God a debt that cannot be repaid. It's already been given, paid for us and given to us. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. If you've ever sinned, even a little, if you've looked at anybody crooked, if you've wished that some person would you know, fall off the sidewalk because they're walking in the road or something and you're, you're just trying to get to work and you're late, whatever the tiniest little thing you can think of is, if you've ever done it, then you're deserving of death because the wages of sin is death. If you've ever sinned, death eternally is what we would deserve. It's what we've earned. Sin means missing the mark in any way, whether it's disobedience to our parents as children, telling a teensy little lie like, I don't want to be 
with you at your luncheon this week because I have to go to the dentist when in reality, you're going to be sitting at home surfing your favorite de decor websites. That's lying. That that's eternal payment for that is death. But if you're a Christian, God has taken care of this debt already. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the worst of us, the best of us, and everybody who thinks they're the best, but is really the worst, everybody. So we are justified. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ, meaning you have faith in God, you're justified. You have the grace of forgiveness of your sins. So we also have the grace to actually be a child of God, which is in a, this is a radical, amazing type of a thing that's totally separate from what regular people call religion. It's not just begrudgingly going to church on Sunday and, you know, saying, God bless you if someone sneezes. That, that's not what we're talking about when we say actually being a child of God. It means Forgiving someone when they really hurt you, they've hurt your feelings, they've gossiped behind your back. Forgiving someone who's done something horrible to you, something unimaginable that you couldn't have ever thought you'd even think of forgiving someone for, yet it's happened to you and you decide you're going to forgive, not just out of obedience, but because you know that it sets you free. Last week I was in Bible study. As we're closing out here, I want to tell you a little story about what they were sharing with us in the way of what unforgiveness is. And the Bible study teacher described unforgiveness as let's say you're out fishing with a group of friends and your friend is casting their, their hook into the water. They're casting their line. And when they throw it behind them and throw it to cast it, it catches you in the cheek. And so now you've got a fish hook in your cheek. Unforgiveness is like leaving there with the fish hook still, still in your cheek and telling everyone that you meet, Jim just hooked me in the face with a fish hook. Can you believe it? He's a horrible person. What an awful individual he is. He's careless and he's not a good fisher. Look at my cheek. I'm injured. I think this is going to scar. And going like that on in perpetuity with the hook still in your cheek. Well, what would happen? It'd get infected. It would become an open sore. It would be disgusting. Everyone who encountered you would understand that you have this hook in your cheek and you're not doing anything to get it out. That's what unforgiveness is like. Forgiveness is saying that you will live with the consequences of another person's sin, not because you're fantastic or because they're fantastic, but because God ultimately lives with the consequences of all of our sins and goes one step further in forgiving us no matter what we've done, as long as we ask. So we want to remove the fish hook from our cheek. So imagine if you have eight or 10 or 20 people in your life who you haven't forgiven, all of that going on, the metaphor of the fish hooks in your cheek, that you're living with, that would be painful. It would be scarring. It would be unthinkable. That's what living with unforgiveness is like. So this is something that I'm struggling with. I have struggled with, I'm struggling my way out of. But I will say that just like I have a lot of peace about where I am right now, I know that God is bringing me through this. He can do this for you too. So it's time for us to all work to get the fish hooks out of our cheek and move forward in forgiveness because if there's anything to be repaid, God will take care of it. You can rest assured in that. So I'm Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on LifeZet TV, LifeZetTV.com. Actually, it's LifeZet TV. You put that after the flash. Look, we'll get this together whenever we get it together, but you can go to LifeZet.com and find out more about what we're doing. Talk to you tomorrow.